Today's episode of SFF Yeah! is sponsored by Amazon Original Stories. The sky is not the limit. From an alley in New York to an interstellar wormhole, the path to the future looks different for everyone. These cosmic short stories from some of today's most influential Black authors reveal a universe of possibilities. Read the Black Stars collection from Amazon Original Stories. Prime members read and listen for free. Learn more at amazon.com slash blackstars. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 112, and we are recording on September 3rd. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we're going to be making Muppet Arms at some of our most anticipated fall titles, of which there were many, but we managed to whittle down the list to four picks each, so. Well, sort of. <laughs> I'm cheating. That's, well, that... <laughs> I'm really blatantly cheating. <laughs> But we're going to make it work. Yeah, we normally, I realized we normally do this kind of episode in July to do the second half of the year. But because of all of our PTO apocalypse, we just, I think it just fell off the radar. So it's a little belated, but uh, here we are. Yeah, I think it's nice to have a little bit of a fall TBR running anyway. There's something very reader friendly about fall. So I feel like it was kismet. There you go. Um, But we're also, we also wanted to announce another exciting for us and hopefully for you two episode coming up. We are going to be having a book club episode. I think the last time we did this was when we read Rosewater. That's right. Which was super fun. So fun. Yes. Yeah, by Tade Thompson. And so we're going to do another one. It'll be airing November 3rd. And we have some book options for you to vote on. Uh, Do you want me to kick it off with my picks? Well, let's first tell people all the deadlines so that they know those. Oh, yes. The The deadline is September 30th. So you can vote now through September 30th. Uh, You can email us your pick at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And we're going to announce our pick in early October. Okay. And then, yeah, yeah, let's let's introduce some of our options. Okay, so my pick is actually the only one we're not going to be talking about today, <laughs> my first pick. Uh, this is my fantasy pick, and it is Ray Bearer by Jordan Ifueko. And I've heard so many good things about this book, but I have not gotten around to reading it. So here we go. This is a story about Tarisai, who's always long for the warmth of a family. Uh, she was raised in isolation by a mysterious mother figure. And then her mother sends her to the capital of the global empire to compete with other children to be chosen as one of the crown prince's council of 11. And if she gets picked, she's going to join other members through the ray, which is a bond that's deeper than blood. And the closeness is irresistible to Tarasai, who's always wanted that family feeling. And the lady, 
Her mother has other ideas, including a magical wish that Tarasai is compelled to obey, which is to kill the crown prince once she gains his trust. So I feel like this is, I was, um, my friend recommended this book to me as a sort of fairy story, but with an, an African sort of setting. So I don't know much more about it than that, other than I got rave reviews from my friend. <laughs> but it sounds really cool. And then my other pick is a science fiction pick, and it's The All-Consuming World by Cassandra Kaw. And I'm not going to talk about it because that's going to be discussed today on this show. So you'll hear about it anyway. What are your picks? Yes. So I just added one because I am interested in both of the others that you picked. But I chose one more. It's a sci-fi and fantasy combo pick. And it's Light from Uncommon Stars by Raika Aoki. And I will just say that the reason this is on here is because I devoured this book this weekend. I know you're going to talk about it more down below, but my short pitch for it is that it is both hilarious and heartbreaking at the same time in a really satisfying way. And I loved how it balanced science, fictional elements, and fantastical elements. So, but we'll talk about more specifics down below. Yes. So make sure you vote. Again, the deadline's September 30th. You can email us at sffbiat at bookriot.com. So before we get into our news section for today, let's hear about our sponsor, which is Mariner Books, who are encouraging you to celebrate Hobbit Day on September 22nd by reading or rereading the epic story by J.R.R. Tolkien, The Hobbit. This novel is obviously a modern classic and the prelude to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, in case you were not aware. And you can join the celebration by sharing on on social media on September September 22nd with the hashtag Hobbit Day. And yeah, it is a very good entry into the world of Tolkien and Middle Earth. And I mean, I, I feel like on this show, we don't have to pitch you the Hobbit, but it does <laughs> sound like a fun thing to be part of a great big reread. So if that is something that you would like to do, again, Hobbit Day is September 22nd, and you can join others in rereading Tolkien's The Hobbit. I recommend you have some snacks with you because that is a book <laughs> that needs some snacks. Okay, so I'm going to kick us off with my first news story, which is kind of sad, but kind of, it's bittersweet, I guess I'll say. So NPR and Elizabeth Blair wrote the obituary for Jill Murphy, who was the author of The Worst Witch and Five Minutes of Peace, who recently died at the age of 72. Um and I don't know how many of our listeners out there are the Worst Witch fans, but I am a huge Worst Witch fan. So Same. it was almost like a reminder of this wonderful story I read. I think I must have been in middle grade, um, like in my middle grade reading level when I read this because I was obsessed with witches. And that was the time when I was like... um borrowing every witch book out of the library. And so when I found The Worst Witch, I was just completely obsessed with that series. And I really related to 
the main character, Mildred Hubble, who's this sort of young, well-meaning witch who's attending an academy for witches and who always seems to be getting into trouble, not out of bad intentions, but just out of like a bumbling sort of clumsy nature. Things just seem to happen. Things just seem to go wrong around Mildred. So I just really loved the character um, in these books. And so it was sad to hear that, you know, Jill Murphy had passed away, but I was also, my heart was warm by the memory of these books. And I was actually looking back at the story of how The Worst Witch was published, and it sort of goes into it a little bit in this news story that I did not realize Jill Murphy was so young when this book was published. Mm. So the book was finished when she was 18 years old, and then it was published when she was 24. And I dived a little bit more into that, and I found out that, you know, the book, The Worst Witch, um, was initially rejected by a lot of publishers. This is like a common refrain. And it was rejected because publishers thought kids would find a book about a school for witches too scary, <laughs> which is like wild. <laughs> yeah, we know thinking about today, is. right? Yeah. And so what ended up happening was that um, Murphy met a, a publisher. She was spending time in Ghana and she met a Ghanaian publisher, Margaret Busby, who also happened to be the youngest and first black female book publisher in Britain at the time. Wow. So I just thought that was such a fascinated, fascinating story. And I really kind of want to go back and read those books and rewatch the adaptation, the television adaptation for it, which I also really liked when I was younger, but haven't watched in a really long time. Did you, you, I know you also have a love for The Worst Witch. I do. I do. Basically everything you just said is, yeah. <laughs> is how I feel. <laughs> and I love that you did that dive. Those are amazing details. I, I just love that. But yeah, I absolutely have it on my to-do list to see if I can't get the book from the library and then track yeah. down the... For some reason, I remembered that it was a movie, not a TV show. So clearly, oh. my memory is very fuzzy because NPR says it was a TV show. So I don't even know now <laughs> how reliable my memories are. But I have a huge well of nostalgia and, and warm feelings for The Worst Witch and... And uh, yeah, I was I was sad to hear this news and also, you know, very glad to be reminded of of that touchstone of my childhood as well. Yeah, well, she will definitely be remembered for many, many generations to come. So that's yeah. something at least. Indeed. So let's see. Uh, I have a real quick one that let's do before we get into all of these other things, which I think are going to require more discussion. The Rosetta Awards for Science Fiction and Fantasy have published their shortlist. And the Rosetta Awards are for SFF translation around the world. So this is an 
amazing prize to follow. If you are wanting to read more international SFF, if you are trying to get more translated books into your reading diet, which I think is a really worthy and important goal, especially as I start to read more and have my mind blown by some of these books, Mm -hmm. uh, I highly recommend it if you need a sci-fi fantasy reading project. Get some translation in there. And so you can see the shortlist uh, at the link for the SFF Rosetta Awards website. And I was delighted to see Vagabonds by Hao Jing Fang on this shortlist because, as y'all know, I loved that book. There are also <laughs> several that I have not heard of, and I'm really excited to explore this shortlist more. So, yeah, really, really good award if you are looking to diversify your reading. Yeah, this is a really great list. My only comment about it is that I have Daughter from the Dark on my shelf right now. Uh, that's by Sergei and Marina Dyachenko. Oh, yes. And it's translated from Russia by Julia Maytov Hersey, who also translated one of my favorite books by this uh, author couple, Vida Nostra. Oh, yeah. Which I think got some attention, at least when it came out. And that was such a good read and left me feeling a little bit disoriented. So I have to read <laughs> Daughter from the Dark now. Nice. Okay. Did you want to talk about one of your longer ones before I get into my last one? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's let's talk about the Game of Thrones shows update. So this is this yes. is a little bit old. It's been on the list for a while, but I didn't want to go too much longer without talking about it. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter on July thirteenth, um, reported by James Hibbard, has an update about like all of these Game of Thrones shows that HBO Max is developing. And like dropping and then re-picking up. And I mean, it's been a messy, messy progression. But the big news is that they are working on an animated show set in the Golden Empire of Yiti, which is a region of this world. Uh, inspired by Imperial China that gets like a very brief mention in Game of Thrones, but apparently, you know, is is in existence in the lore of Westeros. And they, yeah, they're going to do an animated series set there, maybe, possibly. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, again, you know, all of these are very, like, they get mentioned and then they get, casting notes and then they get canned and so like who knows if this is actually happening but I was just sort of like huh it was my first response because a animated like really it's such a weird choice and I know that the witchers animated uh like hour and a half prequel is now out on Netflix and I I have it on my list to watch this weekend um so there you know HBO Max is not the only ones doing animated spinoffs of their live action shows. I still feel like it's a weird choice. I haven't quite, especially Mm. ever how grimdark Game of Thrones is. But then again, you know, if you've seen like, I don't know, Aeon Flux, for example, like there's plenty of really dark cartoon material out there. So I I just feel weird about it, I guess is the end of that (laughs) story. I do hope that this is a sign that they're thinking actively about 
diversifying and making more inclusive the various projects because as we know there were some real issues with race and ethnicity in the game of thrones tv show which were you know those issues were inherent in the original books as well so that could be interesting. Uh, it looks like the Flea Bottom project, which was supposed to be based in the King's Landing slum, that's not happening anymore. That was live action. Um, and the the one that's for sure happening, I believe, is House of the Dragon. So that one, like that's that's about the Targaryen Civil War. And it's supposed to release in 2022. Um, they have a bunch of other things in the works. Who knows which of them will actually happen. But <laughs> this this is the update. This is the update. I don't know. What do you there, think, Sharifa? I just, like, I, I don't think I had fully grasped how many spinoffs <laughs> are in the works. Like, looking at this list, it's just like a laundry list mm-hmm. of possible... And probably and definitely going to happen projects. And I'm like, they are really, really just milking these stories for whatever they're worth. I'm really struggling to remember. I haven't finished. I haven't finished the book before the last one that still hasn't come out. Mm. Um, So maybe that's where it's the Golden Empire of E.T. is mentioned. Or maybe it was just such a small mention. It completely like flew from like just flew out of my head the second I heard about it but I'm like now I'm trying so hard to remember this mention and I just don't so it must have been very very small but I think it was I have all of them on ebook um so I might try to do a search at some point oh yeah that's a good idea I can pull it up because I have read I'm current but yeah I don't recall it either uh it makes sense because you know Martin based it on a very specific medieval time period and Imperial China was a huge force during that time period. So it's, it's yeah. I guess it's nice to see theoretically. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we shall. We shall indeed. Um, well, I have a super weird story. Yeah. <laughs> this one's from... such a head scratcher. <laughs> I was like, I thought this was a joke article. Yes. So this comes... From The Verge, it's reported by Mitchell Clark, and it's a story about cryptocurrency and J.R.R. Tolkien. So there's a new cryptocurrency called J.R.R. Token, (laughs) T-O-K-E-N, and there's a whole video in this article where I thought I was going to be, you know, the the point of this cryptocurrency would be revealed to me, but it left me with more questions than answers. So this is a cryptocurrency that's themed after the Lord of the Rings. And it is, it's dubbed the one token that rules <laughs> them all. And it sounds, I love this article because... It is as baffled about this cryptocurrency as I am. And so there's this whole video that has a rendition or what sounds like 
a rendition of Howard Shore's The Shire, which is the very familiar song from the adaptation of this series. And so first of all, there are questions about whether this is even legal, like that they could take something so closely inspired, use some of the music and and. And basically do everything one would think the Tol- the Tolkien estate would fight back against and, you know, file a, a lawsuit about. But the token is supposed to add to cryptocurrency. And so the, the video says... People who have this cryptocurrency will be added to a liquidity pool. Let me just tell you that I I know very little about cryptocurrency. So all of this stuff like might be actual nonsense or it might make sense to people who actually know about cryptocurrency. So people will be added to a liquidity pool. But the way you actually get the JRR token is that you have to send a payment to a contract address, which is a little bit, feels a little bit shady to me. Like, what? I wouldn't send payment to a random cryptocurrency <laughs> site that's basically giving you very little information about what the heck it actually does. And so there was also a a cameo by the actor who played Pippin, according to this article. And that blew my mind. And then there was also somebody on Twitter basically called out the Twitter of this token, at the token of power, by the way. <laughs> And they, this person called them out saying that this cryptocurrency is shameful and it's the opposite of every theme in, in um, Tolkien's work. And then this, this cryptocurrency Twitter account responded saying, quote, Saruman was trying to unify Middle Earth under centralized rule, whereas the, fe- whereas the fellowship wanted decentralization, cryptocurrency is literally a decentralized network. <laughs> Ellipses. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, this is so weird to me. I just like, I didn't understand much about cryptocurrency in the first place, but this is just like possibly the only cryptocurrency story that made me actually click on it and made me want to figure out what the heck is going on. And I'm still so clueless. And I truly do not understand the point of this JRR token. Do you have any thoughts about this bit of weirdness? (laughs) The whole thing is ludicrous. My first thought is they are 100% getting sued by the Tolkien estate. There's no way. There's no way they're not infringing uh, I mean, there's no way that they're not going to get sued. Whether or not they're actually yeah. infringing, they are 100% going to get sued. I mean, I'm sure those papers are already being drawn up. Secondly, I I have done some research into crypto. I'm not by any means an expert, but I do have like a basic understanding of blockchain and what the vaunted promise of cryptocurrency is. And the fact that... 
they the Verge contacted a crypto expert and was like, is this real or is this a joke? And she was like, it's yeah. impossible to tell. It's like, yeah, okay. Because and it's true, there are a lot like Dogecoin is a great example of like there are there are joke cryptos out there. And that it this could be all an elaborate joke crypto. That's possible. Yeah. They could also think they're doing a thing. Who knows? <laughs> Nobody knows. I mean, this reporter actually read their white paper. They like looked at all yeah. of this information. They were unable to tell. And I just I just want to say for the record that like I'm not a fan of crypto at the very least because it is an environmental disaster. I mean, yes. the server tolls involved are horrific. And also, as somebody who reads a lot of dystopia, I have a very hard time believing that anything digitized is like the the way to secure your money. Like that answer is a hard no. Mm. Like, I just don't believe that's true. <laughs> like, I just I have a really hard time believing that the Internet will exist in perpetuity. The data networks we have will exist in perpetuity. And that's where all your money should go. Like, that's that just sounds doomed to failure to me. So I I think the whole thing is hilarious and also doomed to failure in any number of ways, even if it is just a joke. I just there's no way they're not getting sued. I mean, I don't even know, Sharifa. I was so glad you found this because I missed this. And this is the most ludicrous story I've read in a while <laughs> about Tolkien stuff, which I think we've covered more than one random, random Tolkien thing. So, yeah, I it, I it takes truly the cake. believe it. <laughs> so I guess the moral of the story is maybe do not send your yeah. money to this contract. Do address. not. <laughs> do not. It's not going to nothing about this will will go well for anybody in the long run. There's no way. Oh, all right. All right. So my last piece of news here is, is a much nicer story. I had, could not be more excited to inform y'all that C.L. Polk's Kingston Cycle is getting adapted for TV. This is the Yay. best news. I mean, this is this is just a rights acquisition, so it is going to be a while before anything gets nailed down. But 1212 Entertainment... Oh, this is from Tor.com, reported by Andrew Liptak. So 1212 Entertainment has acquired the rights to the series, and they have tapped Alyssa Clark, who worked on Teen Wolf, Dominion, Servant, and the 100. And I am a fan of both Teen Wolf and the 100. So, like, I... Mm -hmm. This feels... That feels nice to me. Uh, to pen the screenplay for this. And I just... I mean... My love for this series is well documented. I really hope that this actually happens and that it's good. And I guess I'm feeling a little hopeful because, you know, we got the uh, Six of Crows Grishaverse adaptation that people seem to mm -hmm. generally be happy with, right? Like, you yeah. liked it, yeah? I enjoyed it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. so it it clearly it can be done well. It can be done. Adaptations <laughs> can be good. <laughs> so I am I have all of my fingers and toes crossed for this. 
Yeah, I had this is one of the series I have not read that I have only heard wonderful things about from you and from many other readers. And I actually have the like second and third books because, you know, arcs get sent right. in different ways and I do not have the first one. Oh, no. So the only thing that's keeping me from reading it is just like picking up the first book, but you know, this is just one of those stories that will encourage me to finally get to it. But it sounds like a really great story. And even though I haven't read it, I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited for C.L. Polk, who just seems like a fantastic person in general. So very, very much a congratulations from me. And I look forward to seeing this adaptation. Yeah, I think I think the other thing that's encouraging to me about this is that Polk is, like, still, I mean, acclaimed, right? Like, they're winning awards and, like, getting great reviews, mm-hmm. but they're still relatively new to the game. Yeah. And this is a series with, you know, inclusivity and class issues and issues of race and queerness baked into it. Like, all of those things are right there on the page. It's not like, you know, it's not the Wheel of Time, right? That was written in the 90s, and, like, they know people are going to watch the adaptation. So it's a very sure bet. Like, this is something much more new and shiny and nuanced. And that gives me hope that, you know, while, like, TV networks and, you know, studios are always going to go after, like, Anne Rice and these other big juggernauts of SFF, hopefully these newer, younger writers who are dealing with really intense issues in fantasy and sci-fi are also going to get some some paychecks hopefully and we'll get some great yeah. adaptations out of it so yes give them that coin and yes. give them those adaptations yes <laughs> not crypto coin though <laughs> no never <laughs> <sighs> all right well before we start talking about our anticipated reads for fall i'm going to tell you about our next sponsor which is rebecca rhodes tides of mutiny lane garrow has a secret one that could get her killed a life at sea hiding as a captain's boy is all she knows but things start to fall apart when an old pirate enemy comes after her father and there are rumors that her father was once a pirate as well enter a mysterious prince Can Lane protect herself and find a way to live her dream, or will she risk everything for a world where her very existence is a death sentence? Maybe there's a third option. After all, she's never played by the rules before. Why start now? So this is a book about pirates, secrets, mutiny, and it also has a swoony romance particularly if you love an enemies-to-lovers romance, this might be a great pick for you. And Rebecca Road is a best-selling YA fantasy and sci-fi author of page-turning, read-in-one-sitting novels. I do love those. So if that's your jam, check out Rebecca Road's Tides of Mutiny. Okay. Let's All talk right. about our anticipated picks. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited, too. I will side note, I do love a pirate story, so that's always exciting when we get a new pirate yes, story. Yes, me, too. 
Uh, okay, so my first pick uh, is one of our potential book club picks. It is The All-Consuming World by Cassandra Kaw. I was doing my research for this show, somehow had completely missed. This is Kaw's first novel, and I had completely missed that it was happening, and so I immediately got into my email and emailed my contact at Erewhon Books, who is the publisher, and was like, can I please have this? Please send it to me, please. <laughs> uh, so I'm super jazzed about this, not just because I have read some of Cause shorter works and really loved them, but... The premise sounds great. First of all, it is a team of former criminals like reuniting to rescue a missing comrade. And I love a, first of all, team of criminals. Second of all, band gets back together for one last mission sort of mm-hmm. situation. So that all speaks to my heart. And then it's it's sci-fi. It's got this big AI premise. So there are these highly evolved artificial intelligences in this universe, and they are very dead set on making sure that humans are never in charge again, which, like, not for nothing seems legit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but also, that's not great for humanity. So, you know, so this band of women uh, have to battle, like, their own dark secrets and disasters and traumas uh, against these sapient ships and try to, like, rescue their comrade and settle their affairs and all of that stuff. And they're comparing it uh, to books by Anne Leckie, Ursula Le Guin, and Cameron Hurley, all of whom I love to read. So I just, like, could not be more excited to get my hands on this, quite frankly. Uh, so, yeah, so that's The All-Consuming World by Cassandra Kaw. I currently have Kaw's uh, Nothing But Blackened Teeth, I believe it's called. Oh, yes. On my TBR. and So creepy looking. That cover, like, Ooh. I took it, I moved it away from my nightstand <laughs> to the other room because I was like, I can't look at this anymore. But... This sounds like a fantastic read, and I'm really glad that you put it on the list for the book club because I also have a copy, so that's helpful too. Oh, nice. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not just for convenience. Okay, well, my first pick is a science fiction book, and it's by an author we both love, mm-hmm. Tade Thompson, who I was literally just talking about. And this is... Tade's newest, Far From the Light of Heaven. This is going to be out October 26th from Orbit. And I just love every aspect of this story, or at least the way it sounds. So this is about a colony ship called Ragtime, which, first of all, great name for a ship. And it docks in the Lagos system. So I think you can sort of already get a feeling for, like, the sort of inspired setting here. So Ragtime has traveled light years from home. It's bringing a whole mess of sleeping souls to safety. And some of the sleepers are never going to wake up, which horrifying. Just Mm. absolutely horrifying. So the book has a mystery. So this is a science fiction mystery, which I is my newfound love. And it's unfolding on this gi- giant vessel. 
And there's a skeleton crew that has to make decisions that are going to have big consequences for all of humanity's settlements, uh, from the scheming politics on the on Lagos Station to the colony planet of Bloodroot and other far-flung systems and also Earth itself. So firstly, this is a weird fact about me is I love the Alien franchise. Oh, same, I, though. It's just so good, and I get the same existential dread from stories about deep space as I do uh, stories about the sea, deep sea, basically. Mm. And I don't know why, but I think it probably is the same as my love for horror. I just love to read these books, even though they give me that existential dread. (laughs) And I'm getting those feels from the synopsis of this book. And, you know, Tati Thompson is one of my favorite authors. I'm so glad we read Rosewater because it introduced me to him. And I ended up reading the Molly Southbourne book which was also fantastic and really gave me the chills and some nightmares. So those things combined, like Rosewater, I thought he wrote some super good characters that I just wanted to follow and follow and follow. And then with Molly Southbourne, I got that horror feeling I loved so much. And I also like that Tade Thompson brings in that Nigeria influence, uh, especially with the Lagos system. Uh, And again, I love genre bending SFF, and I love it when genres blend in speculative fiction. So I'm living for that mystery element in this book. And it's also a space opera, which is something I have a growing fondness for. And I'm probably going to have space nightmares, but that's okay. I can deal with it. Uh, I'm hopefully never going to be aboard a vessel. I am never going to tell them to put me to sleep and just wake me up whenever we get to our safe landing because I know I will just never wake up. So terribly, terribly terrifying and also super compelling. Uh, Again, that's Far From the Light of Heaven by Tade Thompson out October 26th. Yeah, if you hadn't already put that on the list by the time I went to prep, I I absolutely would have picked it. So I'm I'm co-signing all <laughs> of that jazz. I uh I think I've read I don't think I've read the third Rosewater book yet, but I've read the first two and they're so great. And yeah, yeah I, I I have to I have to I, I walk a fine line with Thompson, though. Like I knew that I couldn't handle Murders of Molly Southbourne, so I just didn't even bother. <laughs> but I this one sounds like something I can handle. So I'm excited for it. Uh, So my next sci-fi pick is another one where I just am like bursting with joy about this. And I, I, again, I had no idea it was coming. I just like somehow missed looking at the fall books until very recently. So this is, this is a banner week for me. (laughs) Uh, But my, my next sci-fi pick is Destroyer of Light by Jennifer Marie Brissett. And let me tell you. Brissette wrote a book called Elysium that is one of the most mind-bending, interesting, weird, 
thinky sci-fi stories I have ever read in my life. It's such a strange and powerful book. And it was published uh, by a small press many years ago. I read it when I was still a bookseller, which we're going on like six years out, out of that. And I thought it was so good. And I've just been like waiting and waiting and waiting for something new from Brissette. And here it is. It is uh, coming to us from Tor. It's coming in October 12th. And this is, they're pitching it as The Matrix meets an Afrofuturistic retelling of Persephone set in a world of aliens, refugees, and genetic engineering. Right? Like, that's a big whoa. That's a a huge whoa. So apparently what's going on in this situation is that there are alien conquerors who have destroyed Earth and resettled humanity on another planet called Eleusis. And there are only three habitable areas uh, called day, dusk, and night. And so society is very stratified. You know, you've got haves and have-nots and criminals and dissonance, and then the alien conquerors, like, interfering. And it just sounds... So interesting. And it also is doing a thing, which is one of the things I loved about Elysium, in which there are multiple stories and characters sort of intertwining. So we have a warlord who has abducted a young girl, and that leaves her mother searching and grieving. So there's our Persephone hook, right? Um, Mm -hmm. There are genetically modified twin brothers looking for someone in a criminal underground trafficking ring. And then there's a young woman with powers who is rising through the ranks of soldiers. And it sounds like it's going to be pretty dark. Um, The blurb calls out disturbing physical and sexual violence. But again, like, I have big trust for Brissette based on how good Elysium was. And so I just, again, cannot wait to get my hands on this and to read this. Um, I think she's extremely talented. and I'm really excited for more readers to discover her works and for this for this new one to get into my brain. So, <laughs> so again, that is Destroyer of Light by Jennifer Marie Brissette coming on October 12th from Tor. Okay, I have to read that. Persephone was my favorite of the Greek gods. Oh, yes. Yeah. Queen of the Underworld. Such a complex and interesting story. Yeah. So goth. So goth. The most goth. What a problematic story, but, you know, that's all of the Greek mythology. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. (laughs) Ah, That is awesome. I'm going to read that. Also, I found a weird theme amongst a lot of our books, which is that the word light is in so many of them. I did notice that, too. I was like, what? Because my next pick is a science fantasy, which was mentioned and promoted as a potential pick for our book club and it's light from uncommon stars by raika aoki and i had have not finished reading this yet i just got it and i did just start reading it and it is like it is super unput downable like i had a hard time breaking away from it i was basically like standing in the middle of the room because i was like oh let me just like read the first (laughs) sentence or like the first paragraph and then i was like why do my legs hurt i've just been standing here forever that's why so (laughs) 
This is a wonderful blend of science fiction and fantasy. And the first, the the reason I initially picked it up is because it was described as good omens with a Faustian bargain. Mm-hmm. And I love good omens. So I was like, well, of, of course, I'm going to have to pick up this book. And I was very curious about the Faustian bargain part. So... This story follows three very different women, Shitsuki Satomi Lantran, who's a starship camp captain. Shitsuki Satomi is a cursed violinist, by the way. And Katrina Wynn, who's a young transgender runaway who has this wild talent in her. And... I was like, there is so much just from the description of these three women. First of all, I just love a women-centered book. Like, I will run to any book where multiple women are in it together and doing a thing together or their worlds collide. That's just a thing I love and cannot turn away from. And then there's the music element. The violin is like my favorite instrument of all time. Um, I did not get the benefit of learning it because my sister learned it. And so I felt like I could not, which is a ridiculous thing. But I'm drawn to violin music. I'm drawn to violin stories. So I was completely compelled by this music element. And this is where the Faustian bargain part comes in. Because Shitsuka Satomi has to win her soul back from damnation. And she has to do it in a, a very not good way. And so she's finding prodigies, violin prodigies, and taking them in as students. And so she has this history of having taken in these students and... She made celebrities out of them in the violin world. And so she's trying to find the seventh and enter Katrina, who has this talent, who's an up and coming violinist known by nobody. So when I say up and coming, it's not like anybody knows about her. She has this really sad story. And there's a reason she's a runaway. She is running away from an abusive home. And I've only just started reading this book, so I don't know all the trigger warnings, but I will say there is there are triggers for sexual assault and homophobia. And um, I, I would recommend looking into other triggers because I have not fully read it, but it. It's really sad, some of the parts of Katrina's story. But there's also this found family element that I'm really looking forward to because Lantran, who's the starship captain, is the owner of a donut shop, which is amazing. And there are such great descriptions of the donuts and also just food in general. And I saw one of the blurbs say mention that, and that was like an immediate win for me. And also it takes place in the San Gabriel Valley, which is like my old stomping grounds when I lived in L.A. That was where, you know, we did our shopping and we ate a lot of food and we just went to hang out. 
And it's this great, thriving Asian-American community in San Gabriel Valley. And it's, like, one of my favorite places in L.A. So there was just, like, no way I was not going to pick up this book, especially with the found family element, especially with the science fantasy elements. And I'm just really excited to see where Katrina's story goes and how these three women are going to come together and how their stories are going to unfold. So that's, again, Light from Uncommon Stars by Raika Aoki, and that's coming out from Tor Books September 28th, so not too long from now. Yeah, I think... I agree that, you know, there are a lot of potential triggers. There's there is violent transphobia. There is Mm -hmm. uh, sexual assault, as you said. There's also a fair amount of racism and internalized racism. And it is I think what one of the things that I loved about this and what made me put it for up for a book club pick is that I think Aoki does an amazing job of balancing the real acknowledgement of those traumas and mm-hmm. also finding these beautiful moments of levity and connection and humor and not like not shorting any of it. Like it all gets its full due, which is really, I think, a tricky thing to manage. And it's really well done. Also, I still can't believe this book does not come with a playlist like I I'm going to have to make one because it's true. The music is so baked into it in such an amazing way. And I'm dying for a playlist. Oh, wow. If you make a playlist, I will absolutely listen to okay. it. Okay. That sounds amazing. I will that stay tuned. We'll see, if, we'll see if I get, my, <laughs> if I get myself together to make it happen. <laughs> Um, all right. All right. So my next pick, my fantasy, first fantasy pick, sort of. I'm, this is After this is where the cheating really starts. Um, but my <laughs> fantasy pick is The Inheritance of Orchidea Divina by Zoraida Cordova. And we have talked about Zoraida's work before on the show. Big fans of her YA books. Um, this is Cordova's first adult novel, which is really cool and interesting. Yeah, I watched a little video where she was talking about how she doesn't ever set out to, like, write YA or write adult. She just, like, finds the seed of the story and then takes it where it, it sends her. And it just so happens that this story is about grown-ups. And this is being pitched as perfect for fans of Alice Hoffman, Isabella Allende, and Sarah Addison <sighs> Ellen, which, like, hello, you have my attention. <laughs> and it's yes. about a family named the Montoyas who are, you know, kind of have some supernatural stuff going on. Like, they have to stay in their home of Four Rivers forever. The pantry never runs low. Like, everything sort of works out in very potentially magical ways. Um, But then Orchidia invites them to her funeral to collect their inheritance. And the attendees are all hoping to, like, learn the family secrets. But instead, something else happens, and they have more questions and answers. And then seven years after that, the uh, different members of the family are all experiencing like different manifestations of their quote unquote inheritance. And then people are starting to die and like somebody is after Orchidia's line. And so they're trying to save their family and they have to go to Ecuador. And like it's all kinds of intense 
family secrets and magic and travel and digging into like the roots of of you know unspoken norms in families plus magic all of that is just so juicy and interesting and since I'm already a fan of Cordova like obviously I'm super excited about this book cannot wait to read it so again that is The Inheritance of Orchidea Divina by Zoretta Cordova coming out September 7th from Atria so we like do not have to wait for that one that's that is basically here I swoon for magical families. That yes. sounds so good. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about my last pick. Wait, this isn't my last pick. I'm going to talk about my first fantasy <laughs> pick, which is actually gothic horror, but whatever. So it's The Death of Jane Lawrence <laughs> by Caitlin Starling. And I am just like recently very obsessed with gothic horror because of Sylvia Moreno Garcia's Mexican gothic. It just like ignited the gothic horror fire in me. And this is very much for people who love that moody, atmospheric feeling you get from gothic horror, you know, the crumbling manners and the big estates. So the story follows Jane Shoringfield, who has decided that she is going to engage in a marriage of convenience. So she's going to find a husband who's going to let her stay independent and she wants to stay occupied with meaningful work. So it's not just because she wants to like sit around and not do anything. She wants to actually, this is a a way for her to sort of find her freedom and independence. So she finds this reclusive doctor, Augustine Lawrence, who agrees to her proposal and says that the only condition he has is that she can't visit Lindridge Hall, uh, cue spooky music, because it's <laughs> there's something about it. So this is his crumbling family manor that's just outside of town. But then on their wedding night, there's an accident and it strands her at Lindrich Hall, of course, in a rainstorm, and everything changes. Augustine Lawrence is not the person she thought he was. Something in him has changed all of a sudden, and she finds him much more paranoid than he ever was, and he thinks that Jane is this apparition who's haunting him. So... Augustine goes back to himself in the morning, but Jane is suddenly aware that things are not all they seem to be and that there is something very wrong about this place. And what is it? Who knows? So this takes place in post-world, uh, post-war England, excuse me. And again, it's gothic horror and it has very like Crimson Peak vibes according to the description for it and I just like I feel like this is kind of my perfect fall read because I'm always looking for those moody atmospheric stories in the fall so if that sounds like something you go you would go for in the autumn season you should definitely check out The Death of Jane Lawrence again that's by Caitlin Starling and this is out from St. Martin's Press October 19th 
Nice, nice. Will not be reading that. <laughs> Fair enough. My tender brain. Uh, okay, so so I'm spending my last spot on shoutouts to two different books that are third installments in series. So the first is The Veiled Throne by Ken Liu. This is the third book in the Dandelion Dynasty, which I read the first one and really enjoyed. And then like, as can happen with series, I have not kept up with it. So this feels Mm. like the perfect winter reading project because these are big, chonky, like 500 plus page books of epic fantasy and, or excuse me, self punk fantasy. And I would love to dive back into that. And so I'm very deeply contemplating like, okay, let's start from the beginning and then move all the way through. Uh, This new one is coming on November 2nd from Gallery. And this world is a sort of pre-industrial world, although there is some like steam technology and but it's all very very much rooted in Asian lore and traditions. Um, and silk punk is a thing that we've talked about before on the show. Uh, there's some good links out there for that if you want to do a little more research on what that means. But there's, you know, political drama and battle sequences and friendships betrayed and marriages and star-crossed lovers and just like all of the big sweeping juicy stuff that you want out of these kinds of epic adventures. And I remember when I read the first book in the series, it felt very much like a return to that sort of golden age fantasy, but better, which is an awesome thing to have. So again, that's The Veiled Throne, third book in The Dandelion Dynasty by Ken Liu. Super excited to dive back into that series. And then the other series installment is Jade Legacy, which is the third book in the Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee, which I know we've talked about a bunch on this show. Another big, chunky series that I have not been keeping up with. I read the first one, loved it, and then just have not gotten myself together to read the next ones. And this takes place in, like, I feel like it's more paranormal than anything else. It takes place in a sort of contemporary world where there is this island called Kacon that is uh, full of people who receive magical abilities from Jade and there are other people who like cannot access it. There are like sort of like mafia, you know, crime families at war with each other. There's like generational differences and who's going to be the new successor and who's in charge and who do we have to murder like very godfathery um but in a super interesting and new way with this magical sort of paranormal superpowers coming into play and i just loved the first one so much and i'm really excited again to like try to dive back into this series um so that's the jade legacy Third book in the Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee, and that's coming November 30th from Orbit. Those are worthy cheat. <laughs> Thank great you. Series. <laughs> I couldn't not do it. I just couldn't. I totally approve. And I mine, I realized later, is also a bit of a cheat in that it's 
a it's just back in print mm. so it was already published before but that's okay because it's Sylvia Moreno Garcia mm-hmm. and it's certain dark things which is a vampire novel and i just love Sylvia Moreno Garcia and everything she writes and she is so prolific i cannot believe it so this is set in mexico city And I've read one other book of hers that is set in Mexico City, I think, which is Prime Meridian. And I just loved that book so much. And I loved her version, her speculative Mexico City. So I'm really excited to go back to it. And in this Mexico City, it's an oasis in a sea of vampires. And so there's Domingo, who's a garbage-collecting street kid who's trying to survive the heavily policed streets and who meets this jaded vampire on the run. So the jaded vampire in question is Atl, who is the descendant of Aztec blood drinkers. And I have been meaning to read more books that are inspired by Aztec lore. So Atl is this super smart, super beautiful, super dangerous character. And of course, Domingo is all about Atl. And Atl is running away from a rival narco-vampire clan who's pursuing her. And She doesn't initially think that anybody else is going to be in on this plan to get away from them, but she meets Domingo, and of course things change, and Domingo happens to be super scrappy and super charming, so they end up going on the run together, and there are local cops and crime bosses on their tail, and it just sounds like a huge adventure. I do love running away from X stories. So (laughs) I'm really excited about that part of it. It sounds like it's going to get my pulse pounding. And I know that Sylvia Moreno Garcia writes a really great jaded character. Mm. (laughs) Again, because of Prime Meridian. And I don't think anybody does jaded like a vampire does jaded. So So this is kind of the... The perfect thing. So, again, that's Certain Dark Things by Sylvia Moreno Garcia coming out from Tour Night Fire September 7th. So, another one like you don't have to wait for. So many good books. So many good books. I'm so excited. Where are we going to find the time to read them? I don't know, (laughs) but those are our picks. And I can't wait. I'm already starting one of them. And so I feel good about these picks as well. So that's it for the show today. SFF Yeah is sound edited by DR Baker. Many thanks to them for making us sound great each and every episode. You can find more recommendations at bookriot.com. And you can also find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. Do email us your vote for our book club picks. Uh, that'll be very helpful to us. You can also review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people to find us, and we love to hear from you. You can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? 
I am on a little bit of a social media hiatus right now, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, Healthy. when it's not September, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> and Tumblr as Jen IRL and on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. But I'm I'm taking September off. So that's a good that's a good plan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at S sign of Williams. That's S Z A I N A B Williams. And until next time. 